Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from tonight's Old Testament reading, Habakkuk, chapters 1 and 2, and I read to you from chapter 2. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me, what I will answer concerning my complaint. This is God's word. Have you ever had a visit at your door from the Jehovah's Witnesses? Sometimes I've heard people call them the Jehovah's, which is, no, don't do that. That's, that's a name, name for God, one that they insist is the only name by which God must be called. The Jehovah's Witnesses, you do need to understand, are not Christians. They reject very basic teachings about the Trinity, that there is one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They do not acknowledge that Christ is God as well as man. I don't know if any of you have ever been bold enough to try to engage them. I think probably the attitude of most Christians is to try to get them away from your door as quick as possible. It is actually quite easy to, uh, to get a conversation going with them because their words that they bring to you when they come to your door are scripted. There is a script that all Jehovah's Witnesses follow when they go door to door. And I know they don't go door to door much anymore. I think it's probably a mark that our culture has become more hostile towards not just them, but anyone just showing up at your door. Now they seem to take up their place with uh, pamphlets outside Walmart or a grocery store. Perhaps a little friendlier place than showing up at a stranger's door. The way that they conduct their teachings is they will attend their meetings at a kingdom hall. We have one here in Kingsford on Pile Drive. And they go to their, their meetings at the kingdom hall and they receive teachings from an organization called the Watchtower Society. And those teachings that they receive, they're there to then, in turn, bring door to door. Now, while much of what they believe we must as Christians reject, we certainly can admire their passion and their zeal for reaching out. But sadly for the Jehovah's Witnesses, it's out of necessity. You see, they believe that only 144,000 people will make it to heaven. A number that's taken from the book of Revelation, but they take the number, as they do a lot of scripture, entirely out of context. And so, the emphasis on good obedience to your commands and being a faithful Witness to the teachings of Jehovah is essential to them. It's salvation by works. And the idea that they call it the Watchtower Society, oh, it's an image that comes right out of Habakkuk. 
Our Old Testament reading for tonight. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. The idea is that the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they are to interpret the events happening around them and prepare people for the end of all things. The prophet Habakkuk is a watchtower prophet. But unlike the Jehovah's Witnesses who think that they claim special knowledge of how the future is going to unfold between now and the end of all things, Habakkuk watches and waits because of what he doesn't know. He is a prophet who has cried out to the Lord for an answer. And now he waits for it. He cries out to the Lord, as we read in chapter 1 of our reading, for help in the face of violence. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you do not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Habakkuk lived among a people, Israel, suffering what seemed like injustice. And perhaps it was for someone like Habakkuk who trusted the word of the Lord. But you see, in Habakkuk's day, things were not good in Israel. There was a foreign power, the Assyrians. If you don't know the Assyrians, think of the prophet Jonah. Jonah preached at the city of Nineveh, one of the great cities of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians had come in and forced the people of Israel to scatter throughout the world. They were sent into exile. They were sent to flee from their homeland. And they committed various atrocities and wickedness against the people of Israel. Because so many of Israel had neglected God and neglected his word. Not Habakkuk, apparently. He cries out, How long, O Lord? I cry to you to help. You will not hear. I cry to you, Violence. You will not save. Like Habakkuk, we often find ourselves crying out to God, seeking an answer. And I've often heard it said, and I think it probably holds true, that when God answers a prayer, he answers it in one of three ways. He says yes, or he says no, or he says wait. Habakkuk is the waiting prophet, waiting for the Lord's answer. And in fact, the Lord answers later in chapter 1. I'm going to give you an answer, Habakkuk, but you will need to wait until the right time. 
I will deliver you, Habakkuk, from violence and injustice and iniquity. But it will be in my time, not yours. I think we often consider ourselves an impatient people as we live in an ever more digital and technologically advanced world. Things are done more quickly. We don't like to wait for anything. We don't like to wait in the line at the grocery store. We don't like to wait for food that we've ordered. We don't even like to wait for our information. If it takes more than 10 seconds for a result to come back in our web browser or for a video to load on our TV, we decry. What is taking so long? How long until I can watch the new series on Netflix? How long until I get a reply on my Facebook feed? How long until my pizza is ready for my favorite joint? But impatience has always been a vice of God's people. And so Habakkuk says, Again, the words I read earlier. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk waits, but also watches. Like a watchman on a city wall, looking for an enemy to approach the gate, looking for a saving army to come to their aid. He watches to see how the Lord will answer his cry for help. Justice did come for the Assyrians, but probably not as Habakkuk would have wanted it. Justice came in the form of the Babylonians, who crushed the Assyrians, but then became new oppressors for the people of God, ransacking the city of Jerusalem, destroying the temple, and leading those people, the people of Judah, into exile. Israel was delivered from one captor, And given into the hands of another. Of course the salvation that Habakkuk really needed. Would come in the form who was of the one who was the Lion of Judah. The son of David. The true King of Israel. Jesus Christ. For that is where justice is found for all the people of God. We find justice in the one who takes all of our sin upon his cross and bears it in his body and sheds his blood and bleeds and dies for you and me. For that is where justice is meted out as God sees fit. And we are not dealt with according to our sin. In truth, Habakkuk deserved whatever tyrant would come his way, whatever punishment he might endure. True justice would have been for Habakkuk and all of Israel and all of Judah and all of us to be crushed by an enemy. 
but in God's justice. He placed all the sin on his only son. Habakkuk's wait would last beyond his lifetime. For it was another 600 or so years later that Jesus would come. And at his first coming, Jesus said that he would come again. And so we find ourselves in the same place as Habakkuk. Waiting and watching on our Lord Jesus to come to us. We cannot interpret the times as well as the Jehovah's Witnesses like to think they can. But we can look at the times enough to know that we want our Lord to return. Indeed, we have enemies around us, but even an enemy within us. Our sinful flesh. Our old Adam that seeks what gives us pleasure, that elevates ourselves into our own gods. We need deliverance from our enemies. And yet deliverance came in Jesus where our sin was paid in blood and it will come again when he returns to us. You know, the New Testament as well tells us to wait and to watch, to take up a watch like Habakkuk did. St. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Unexpectedly, in an instant, when many are unprepared. Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. We, the people of God, like Habakkuk, are to watch. To watch for our Lord Jesus, who will come as the answer to every bit of sin and evil and wickedness that plagues us within us and around us. The Lord said so. In Habakkuk chapter 2, the prophet writes, The Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow... Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. God's people wait and watch. They wait and watch for their Lord to come to them even as he comes to them right now. The righteous shall live by his faith, Habakkuk writes in the words of the Lord. 
And so you live by faith in a Jesus who has come, who will come again, and comes to you even now. In his time, in his way, he comes to you in mercy. He comes to you with life. He comes to you the victor over every enemy you face, even yourself. Let us, the church, wait and watch on our Lord. And let us rejoice as he comes even now to his new Israel. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.